Hello, beloved listeners. Lucas here. A quick word before we start the show. My microphone was not having a great day when we had recorded this episode, so my voice will definitely sound a bit off, uh, but we thought the conversation was too good to abandon what we had originally recorded. Uh, So we've done some mixing magic to bring you uh, the conversation, but just be prepared for a funny-sounding Lucas. As always, we greatly appreciate you, the listener, so enjoy the show. One day during my college years, I found myself attending a diversity panel that had been put on by my college to discuss issues of diversity and how that interacts with the church. Uh, It was a really interesting panel, they had a lot of good things to say, Um, but one of the most poignant moments was when my Korean friend, who was also attending the event with me, turned to me and said, Lucas, you know, what's the big deal with diversity? Why, you know, why do they even need to integrate churches? Um, you know, I like my church, it's a Korean church, I feel home there, you know, why do we, why do we have to integrate? It's a question that shows the complexity of intercultural relationships, whether that be individual or communal, and it's stuck with me ever since. The ethnic and cultural identity of America is changing. As the world continues to globalize year by year, the unwritten law of the land is trending away from traditional American assumptions. Multi-ethnic communities, churches, and even marriages in the United States have become normal occurrences, rather than exceptions to the rule. While the rising tension we see in our country surrounding race and ethnicity is multi-layered in nature, certainly the differences in cultural values add to this ethnic disconnect. What responsibility if any, do Christians have in welcoming diversity and championing inter-ethnic collaboration? Can members of majority and minority cultures engage one another's differing values and experiences in a way that is mutually uplifting? How can churches and communities integrate ethnic groups together without abandoning their unique cultural distinctions? All that and more on this edition of Questions from the Pew. episode of Questions from the Pew, the intersection of faith and culture. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Here, no inquiry is off-limits. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues, but no longer. We're your hosts. I'm Ray Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. Hey, it's great to be here. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah, pretty well, pretty well. Still... You know, just hanging, uh, hanging in the old COVID quarantine. Yeah. Now, w- what are we? How, we're about a half a year in now, right? Yeah. Ever wild. since most of the nation was on right. lockdown. And I feel like the way things are going, it just could be another half a year. So that's. Yeah. Hey, I'm. I've been saying this for a while, but hopefully, people are, if they haven't already, have been writing all this down in their diaries or journals because. One day, they're going to be important primary source documents. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This is a historical moment. Yeah. We might be cited in some history books one day. (laughs) Yeah. 
They just get it so wrong. They're like, questions from the pew was a legal attorney's office. <laughs> it's like, no. Anyway. Well, interesting topic today. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. Yeah. I feel like the cause for much strife and confusion, both in America and in churches. Yeah. And we didn't plan on, on this, but really, but as it is with most, most of our episodes, it's very appropriate to the to the times um, that we're living in. So yeah, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I mean, Who a knows, lot of... maybe that's good. That's, that's just us and our skill as cultural exegetes. Yes. We saw it before it was coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fun fact, we tried to record this episode like two years ago. Yeah. In season just... zero. <laughs> yeah. Just didn't listen. Listening back. We were like, yeah, we can't publish this. <laughs> it's just, we weren't ready. We just, I don't even know. We weren't even on the same track. No. I think I think what it is is the world is now ready for this. Yeah, and maybe <laughs> we are too. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, yeah, what are we talking about today? Yeah, I mean, really it's just the interplay between monocultural communities, relationships, churches with, you know, multicultural communities, churches, marriages, relationships. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... A lot of, yeah, what's going on in the world now, not that it's only this that's affecting it, but this is definitely a big element in the sense that uh, this integration of different people, um, you know, and just diverse people entering into new uh, arenas uh, is just, there's just some tension that's that's created when that happens, you know. Yeah, and I don't know what the exact numbers are, but America is becoming more and more diverse um, in all aspects of the word, more and more every year. Right. Yeah. I mean, what they say is, I think by 2050, like half of, like, uh, or white people won't be the majority in in America anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, I Mm -hmm. think in the last census is around 70%. uh, But anyway, so that, I mean, that's where they say it's going. So that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's helpful at the onset of this conversation to, I guess, put some definitions to to a lot of words and terms that we'll probably be throwing around um, as the episode progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, so one word we'll probably be using a lot, and we probably have already <laughs> without no- realizing it, mm-hmm. is this uh, this term ethnicity or like mono or multi-ethnic or multi-ethnicity, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say that's that deals with... Um, deals with things at the level of uh, of a nation, like a people group or a social group. Um, and that's, I don't know if I'd say in contrast, but that's um, in conjunction with what we would say as culture, or so mono or multicultural. Um, it's a phrase that we'll be using a lot. And that deals with things at the level of traditions, customs, uh, values, and those sorts of things. So these are things that make up uh, a social group or are inherent, probably, in um, an ethnic group. So I think those are two, um, that might be help, th- those might be two helpful distinctions um, that, that we can make at the front end of things. Yeah, and I think one thing to, to cue on as well is just, I guess the, the molding nature of, of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of the, the unwritten rule of culture is that it's trying to shape humans. The crazy thing is that when human babies, you know, pop out of their mothers, they're like the most helpless out of all the creatures. Uh, and part of that is because we have such huge noggins that they can't fit through, you know, they can't fit through the birth canal. 
Uh, but the the crazy thing with that is that um, culture then plays a huge role in assigning what it means to be human uh, mm. to that helpless child. You know, obviously, when a deer comes out of its mom, it can, you know it's struggling to stand, but it knows to stand. It knows right. to walk around. Right. I mean, babies are just the most helpless things. Yeah, you know, on the yeah. planet. I um, saw. So, um, oh, go ahead. Sorry, it, it's just <laughs> I was thinking about like the animal world giving birth i think it was the shed of a uh, shed aquarium this week uh one of the um one of the sperm whales or something had just given birth to a calf oh nice and this was in, obviously in the in the tank of right. water but yeah. as it came out it just knew instinctively to just go ahead and swim and then it swam to the surface for for a breath of air it's like it's so crazy i know like, and it just it? came so naturally right it would be like if the baby popped out and just started like going to the cupboard to get cereal <laughs> which maybe that would make parents lives easier I don't know. or harder anyway all that to say like culture for human beings is part of like the what it means to be human process mm-hmm. you know animals come out and they know what it means to be a sperm whale you know right. or to be a cow uh but human beings that's our culture that determines that so the essentially what that means is culture is shaping the, the point of it is to shape human beings. Right. So when you take someone who's outside of that culture, who's learned a different way to be a human being, and you set them in, you know, just a different culture, obviously there's there's going to be some, some tensions mm-hmm. uh, and some assumptions that aren't shared. Um, so, I mean, I think that's just one thing to, yeah. to consider as yeah. well on the outset. I think it's fascinating, too, the fact that culture can be found in an ethnic group but in some ways, it's almost independent of that ethnic group because you can f- have someone from a completely different, you know, um, I, ethnic makeup at a biological level. I, I don't even know if that's. Right. <laughs> but, but like, oh, let, yeah. let's say, you know, an immigrant, for example, mm-hmm. um, a, a second generation um, uh, immigrant, they're going to, because they grow up in. The particular context that the cultural values they assume mm-hmm. are going to be are not going to be the same as the cultural values that their parents who are first generation immigrants would hold right um, you know i mean over time they might merge and, and develop or what have you but there's going to be a distinction there because the because of the the context they're in right yeah like ethnically they're the same like by blood, but mm-hmm. then culturally, it's just different because of right. the context that they were raised. Yeah, and there's a disconnect there between generations that I think we've already talked about in past episodes as well. Right, right, yeah. I mean, I mean that's like, for instance, America is referred to the melting pot, um, and I think that that like plays a role, and it's an interesting, I guess, metaphor because in a melting pot, everything, you know. I guess boils down to you know one one culture, mm-hmm. um, which I think is an interesting image of yeah I guess assimilation. Whereas for instance in Canada, which is where my wife is from, not to say that the Canadians got everything right, but they don't refer to it as a, a melting pot. They call it a mosaic. Mm-hmm. So like in in a mosaic, obviously the you know the pieces that make it up remain distinct, but then they form something that's like you know bigger and more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. than just than just their piece right. which i guess yeah i don't know i think i guess i like that idea of the mosaic versus the melting pot i think 
I think the idea of a melting pot is a yeah. is um, is a hopeful one because in a melting pot, it, let's just take it at a culinary level, right? Yeah. As you're boiling down these ingredients, they lose inherently some properties that make them that distinct ingredient, but it forms a whole new thing that wasn't um, that wasn't the case before. Right, so right. it's not so much a, um, it's not so much a, a forcing into a particular culture, but a creation of a new culture. Because and they I think, all blend together. Right, into something new. Right, and I think right. in an ideal world, that makes sense, and I think that's good. Yeah, but I yeah. think in practice, that's not what we've seen. Mm. Right. Yeah, I guess the question is, Kind of like which metaphor is more helpful, you know what right. I mean, or, or gets people in a, which yeah, I mean, you putting it that way, it does make sense. Like, like there's give and take, um, like when cultures come together. So it's kind of like the cost of of integration, right? Is like kind of what I think, I think of when you say mm -hmm. like the melting pot, because yeah. it's like yeah, I mean, this happens even in like relationships. So, I mean, for for instance, we're both in, I. I guess you could say we're both in multicultural yeah, I'd say, like yeah. relationships, but definitely multi-ethnic relationships. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just, I guess this is just personal, I guess, but there's like give and take, you know what I mean? Like mm. I've, I've become, or I've definitely picked up some stuff from my wife, um, and I think she's obviously picked up stuff from me as well. So it is a little bit of like, I don't know, give and take and like, learning how, or, or working together to kind of reconcile those differences, you know? Right. Yeah. And there's so many different levels to that too, right? So for me, I was, I was born in the Philippines, but I came here when I was very young. Mm. So I essentially grew up here while still have, uh, while I still had very strong moorings to, um, to my cultural homeland. Right. Um, and I, I bring all of that to, I brought all of that with me into into my marriage so the whole the whole concept of worldview um and, and worldview values that was all coming into play with what my wife was bringing um to to the table and for her the rest of her family also married someone from another from another race or another right, ethnicity each, so each one of her siblings yeah right yeah so that's a there are so many different ingredients to to account for, you know, um, in developing, you know, the culture, if I can put it in that, the culture of that relationship, of our yeah, relationship. Totally. Well, that's even, that's something me and Ruth both had to have with our, uh, sorry, Ruth is my wife. <laughs> <laughs> She's dropping um, names. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's something we had to have a conversation with both sides of the family is, hey, like, when we come together, this is actually creating something new. So there's certain assumptions that you have, which are not necessarily bad, um, but we're not always going to be able to follow those. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, because we're creating something new here. Um, and obviously we're taking from both, but it's not going to be exactly like either one. You know? So that, yeah, mm -hmm. it just, I guess it speaks to that. Like you lose something, but you gain something, you know? I like that.
that I think this happens in communities too. Um, and obviously, I mean, just the more people you add, the more complex it gets. Um, but one like one conundrum that I have is like, okay, so like a you know one white person moves into like a minority community, and like that's fine, that's allowed. But then if like multiple white people do it, then it's like gentrification. You know what I mean? Which maybe I'm I might be uneducated on how exactly gentrification works. But like part of it is like what's okay at an individual level or you know what like what's unharmful at an individual level can be harmful at a communal level, which it is a conundrum for me. Yeah, I mean the the problem with that that is I mean, with the example of gentrification, a lot of times it happens over a I guess a longer period of of time right. you know and so yeah. it's like trying to I'm not saying that it should be stopped but it's it's almost like analogous to trying to stop a a run a runaway train or a train that's already been running for mm. the longest period of time right um like how do you yeah how do you interact with something like that hmm. right all that and that's not to we're not going to solve i guess issues of gender there, yeah there are different but issues at different levels for it's them. just all to say like it gets complex like i feel like the more layers and the more people and the longer the history that you add just the you know the more complex it gets and obviously that happens in communities you know but also you know churches as well so mm. it's just yeah, yeah you've seen one. yeah you've definitely seen this in at the church level um particularly within probably the past 20 years i mean when we were when we were growing up um i think probably culture wars or, or worship wars were the big thing I like we do yeah. modern or, or or traditional worship uh, and churches had their own different approaches like blended services or out right. with the old and with the new or mm. split services you know mm. um and they they all had their their consequences um or yeah results i guess is might yeah. be a better term but i think now um, you know, a few, a few years removed from the heyday of those types of things. I think now what we're seeing is uh, different categories uh, of churches. So I'm going to be throwing around those terms that we kind of defined earlier. So you, you see mono-ethnic and monocultural churches where the church as a whole is primarily composed of one ethnic group and the culture matches uh, that group so the culture of the church reflects the culture of, of that majority group right uh, but then you also have the mono-ethnic but multicultural um, churches that's primarily still one ethnic group but a lot of different cultures are represented in, in, in one way shape uh, or form hmm. um, but then you also have multi-ethnic and monocultural um, churches so it's very diverse in terms of th its ethnic makeup but you've still only got one particular cu culture that dominates the you know the culture of the church right and then you got the rare um, occurrences of multi-ethnic and multicultural churches where it's right. very diverse in terms of its ethnic makeup but then the cultures of those different groups um, are still very well represented and former form a cohesive whole within mm. the, the church and i think that's so rare to see yeah i just don't know well i'm trying to like think of examples of all so monoethnic and monocultural those seem pretty pretty widespread 
But then, like, okay, mono-ethnic and multicultural. Is that, like, like, I don't know, within, I don't know, like, within a certain state, there might be, like, a Dutch population and a right. Irish population. Yeah, yeah, so it's, like, let's just, uh, so it's primarily Caucasian, you know, area, same thing with the church, but they might come from, because, I mean, let's take a, a European background, yeah. um, right, or... Um, I think Wisconsin is very much, they, they had a lot of German people uh, okay. move in. And so, like, when you get a purely American church um, and then a a big German population moves in, they're going to bring a lot of cultural values with them from that from that background. Right. So it's still, in terms of, um, in terms of racial, ethnic makeup, right. still very much... Um, anglo european right. white what what have you yeah. but the there are some distinctions in terms of different traditions cultural and cultural values. values i guess that's what i what i mean yeah no, that makes sense yeah that that makes sense and then so multi-ethnic and monocultural is that more like i guess this is what i when i think of like quote-unquote multi-ethnic churches these days i this is kind of what i think of because it just seems like it's a white culture church um but they just happen to you know have people coming who are different ethnicities you know what i mean mm -hmm. but they're not yeah. there's no you know it's just a white church and there's you know not necessarily all white people there basically right i th i think you can i think there are two sides to the same coin in this respect so it could be that the the the, <laughs> the passage of time of of the whole melting pot idea has run its course and the distinctions that made up the culture of an ethnic group are, are gone and uh, mm -hmm. it's minority my uh, majority culture that uh, that is prevalent so that's one instance of of that yeah. idea of multi-ethnic but monocultural yeah. churches but then at this uh, at the other side of things it could be um th the idea of um succeeding generations of immigrants are, are coming to my mind so if it's primarily if the ethnic groups are primarily second or third generation immigrants yeah or you know children of, of first right. generation immigrants then yeah. then most likely the culture that they're going to grow that they they hold on to mm. is the majority culture right, as opposed right, right. to their their fam their ancestral culture right yeah no that that makes a lot of sense yeah and that's definitely man it just it just gets really complex and I'm not saying these are right or wrong. No, no. You know, it's just the state of, of right. what we see. These are different categories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, because, I mean, that brings up just a lot. And one thing, so like the the story that I was telling at the beginning of my Korean friend, and I've also heard this from other people as well, is that they feel like church is, a, church is home for them. You know, they, they don't have to essentially assimilate to white culture you know they do that in their you know every week you know every day of the week but on sunday they want to like you know go home to where you know they feel comfortable in their culture and so for that they're like i don't i don't want other you know other cultures or other ethnicities at my church because i i like to have one day out of the week where i can feel home mm -hmm. um and obviously you know they see these you know, quote-unquote multi-ethnic churches that are basically just white churches with you know not necessarily white people there all the time so i guess i don't know it's i mean it's like a fair thing you know what i mean i don't know 
Yeah, I think there's some value to that because yeah. a lot of the, in a lot of instances, a church home like that is where kids are encultured into their ancestral culture, and for a lot of kids, that's the only place that they do get it, um, and that's where they learn their the, the traditions of of their homeland. Right. So that makes sense to me. Right. Or even like first generation immigrants, also. Right. Like, because they, you know, they might be familiar with something back home, and then yeah. they want to find something similar here, yeah. and maybe they yeah. do. Cause yeah, the life of a first-generation immigrant is is a lonely one a lot mm. of times, yeah. and uh, and to have a a church home like that is definitely important. And I get why there's a huge value in that. You can speak your language. Everyone is on the same. It's everyone's on the same wavelength in terms right. of what you value or esteem. Right. Hmm. I mean, and you also get like the, like we talk of American culture, but in reality, there's like different. I mean, we've said it in previous podcasts, but there's like different Americas that have different cultures. You know what I mean? So that's right. where, like, Black America. Like, I can see why a black person want wouldn't want to go to like a a more white culture, multi-ethnic church, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? If they just feel more comfortable right. and, like, at home, you know what I mean? Yeah. Within, like, just a black church. So I guess, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. to realize that churches ought to function as both a mirror and a lens so that, again that's at two different levels right so churches ought to reflect their context and so much of this conversation is a is a contextual one mm. um, so churches should reflect their context but um, also provide a lens through which one sees God's kingdom um, because at the end of the day that is the that is a kingdom that Christians have been saved into, uh, mm. and they're primarily citizens of that kingdom. And so they should um, they they should carry on that culture. Um, but that's again not saying that they should totally reject and forget um, uh, their home culture, right? Because um, the church is is multicultural multi-ethnic the universal church the right. global church but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong if for example your particular church isn't mm. at, at a very at, at, the, at the local level right does that make sense yeah for sure well and what you were saying too like about um like it maintaining its cultural identity while also you know being affected by you know like the kingdom of god's culture I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, how does the the quote-unquote culture of the church impact the, like, ethnic culture? You know what I mean? Or mm. just, like, yeah. uh, I guess, like, more human, quote-unquote, yeah. base culture. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. 
and I'm just thinking through this now out loud, but I think maybe that's where the whole idea, the ideal idea of the melting pot comes into play. Because yeah. you still got the distinct ingredients, you know, but at the same time, being in that melting pot, being in that heat, creates something new. Where it keeps some of the old things, but it brings out different things. Right. Um, and I think maybe that's maybe that's a good way to look at, again, the, the ideal um, fleshing out of the whole melting pot idea might yeah. be an, a, a good way to look at what it means for individual churches to be composed of different ethnic and cultural um, backgrounds, but right. at the same time being an outpost for the kingdom of God and its cultural values. Right. Yeah, I think that's I don't know. great. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, if I was to take a stab at it, I would probably say, like, the biblical values and principles should in some way impact, like, your cultures, your cultural values. But how that does that, like, how the biblical values interact with your culture is going to be different, like, depending on what it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's going to be different things that attention is drawn to and, and conflicts arise. But... So maybe it's that kind of uh, those biblical values and principles are what unites the different cultural iterations of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the uh, <laughs> to carry on with the culinary analogy yes, here. Going. <laughs> that's the broth in which we are all mm, cooking. <laughs> let's go. Give me some of that chicken broth. <laughs> yes. All all that to say, I think we need to remove. This is, I guess, speaking even more broadly outside of a church conversation. Yeah. Um, I think we need to remove diversity from the pedestal that we've put it on. Um, that's not to say, again, diversity in its different iterations is a bad thing. Mm. But I don't know if it's wise to make diversity a, um, the end goal. Right. Yeah. Or is the primary goal? I don't know. Right. It's a tough, yeah, maybe the primary goal. It's tough because I think there are people who it needs to be, you know, more of a value than it is. Sure. Like, I think there'd be a lot of, I guess, like, white churches who are like, yeah, diversity. Like, we don't need that. Like, it's fine. And I guess to me, it's like, well, maybe look at why you don't have, you know, why diversity isn't a value. Mm. Like, I think that's an important distinction to make. But yeah, I mean, the where I've seen it be a problem is like in a lot of these like I guess I don't know if I want to call them mega churches, but like kind of the larger, more hip churches, like diversity can quickly become just like tokenism, and it's like look how diverse we are, and like blah blah blah. But like I don't like I don't see that as particularly helpful. Once again, because it's it's in that same category of multi-ethnic but monocultural, so you're not representing, you know, the the people in your congregation particularly yeah. well. It's using diversity as a mask. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and it's... Yeah, sometimes it can just be seen as, like, pandering, you know what I mean? Or, like, right. I don't know. But I think, like, when a, when a diverse church does come together and does represent itself, or does represent the different cultures within it well i don't know i guess to me that's like the most powerful thing it doesn't mm-hmm. happen that often 
Yeah. Which maybe that's why the road is just narrow. I don't know. But, um, like, for instance, the church that my wife went to growing up is, like, super, there's just tons of, I mean, her area is just very multi-ethnic, and so the church, you know, reflects that. Mm-hmm. And at least to hear her tell it, it seems like it was done, like, relatively well. And obviously yeah. they, you know, what that looks like in terms of Sunday services and music styles and that kind of thing, I mean, I think that's you know, one blueprint. Right. But just, I don't know, the fact that she she didn't feel like she was attending a white church with with other non-white people there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess to me that's, I mean, I guess they do exist is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think it, yeah, I mean, and this is something that we've kind of harped on before, but it's all a matter of context, I think. Because yeah. for some churches, it, it does move into that area of, like you said, tokenism. Um, because they're using diversity as a mask. And, and But then at the same time, a lot of churches that are in predominantly white neighborhoods try so hard for this, um, this, this utopian idea of multicultural and, and multi-ethnic uh, com- church community or communities um, that it seems forced, even if it comes with pure... It comes from a pure right. heart, fruit, pure motives. It's it's very forced. It's like essentially like putting a, a triangular block through a, a square hole in like right. one of those like you know those kid toy right, things. Right, right, right. It's not gonna. It's just not gonna work. Yeah, um, totally. I mean, yeah, it's, that's totally fair. And yeah, so I think once again, context is a thing. I mean, yeah. you also have those communities that are white and just would rather be white. <laughs> yeah. Or just don't know how to even you know what I mean. They don't know how to even engage with those questions right. so well, it, it, it takes a lot of introspection right it's mm. like taking a step back and looking at why the state of your church or your the state of your interpersonal um you know relationships is the way it is because mm. it can't it, it might not even be just the the circumstance or your environment but it's things that you've done in uh, in the past the 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 cultural values that you hold dear that maybe you might you might benefit you know from letting go of those things yeah. uh and and that could pave a way because i guess a big question for me is should should we make diversity a goal or allow it to develop organically right i feel like making diversity the end goal you know hey we're putting us our foot down this is what we're gonna do in the next five years right that's putting the cart before the horse that's fair um and, and allowing it to develop, I think the the whole thing that I said about, you know, taking a step back and doing some introspection and self-reflection, yeah. that is a way to have diversity develop organically right? in whatever context you're in. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, because I think there's definitely context where, like, the end goal being diversity is good. For instance, mm-hmm. like school faculties, you know what I mean? Because then you can get different perspectives that students are, are interacting with. So I think that should be like an attribute of faculties, like uh, faculty being professors at a college. Um, I think like that's a positive thing, you know what I mean, and worth pursuing. But yeah, like you say, there's other times where, yeah, it's just, it's used kind of as a little a ribbon, you know, an award mm-hmm. ribbon. Like, look how diverse we are. And at that point, it's like, well, that's not the point. Of <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I think maybe in, 
and uh, you know winding down a little bit here is just answering or, or providing just a couple I guess uh, considerations when you're you know trying to integrate um, distinct cultures while maintaining the distinction um, and I think kind of the first one is just you have to be aware that you know that there are other cultures and other value systems that aren't necessarily worse than yours they're just mm -hmm. you know they're different and that's great so I think that's kind of the first the first step which I think you know a lot of people have taken but also I mean especially if you grew up just in a monocultural environment I mean I did I grew up in a monocultural environment I didn't I didn't inter interact with many non-white people until I was in Chicago as an 18-year-old. Mm. So you uh, grew up in a, a mono-ethnic and monocultural yeah. environment. Okay. That's a, that's a story for another time. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, that's where I think that awareness piece is just kind of the first thing. And maybe that only happens with exposure and also like self-education and educating yourself on these things. Uh, the next I just I think is participation. We talked about this a little bit in the season zero Black Panther podcast, but you know how how involved can you get in another culture without overstepping? You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, so I, that's a fair that's a fair balance, um, and there is a a right way and a wrong way. Um, but I do think relationships, hopefully that you develop, will help. I guess help guide. At least that's what happens with me. Um, so I think that's huge awareness, participation, and then I think the last thing is just to celebrate like the different cultures that are within your community or within your church or even within your relationship. Um, yeah, and that takes awareness, it takes participation, but then yeah, I think I think having intentional celebrations for the you know the different communities represented, I think that's. I guess huge, and that's something that I see as lacking. Uh, I guess lacking in, in, in uh, churches in the United States. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so just a few considerations. Yeah. Well, I think that was a great place to end. I wholeheartedly agree with with all of those. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that fun when that happens? Agreement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, well, guests, listener, our dear listeners, thanks for sitting in the pew with us thanks for joining in the conversation and, and listening yeah so if you'd like to support us financially uh, we'd really appreciate it you can find us at patreon uh, which is just www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew um, and if you have the means that's great if you can't support us financially please give us a rating on itunes or whatever platform you're listening uh, on and that's just a big help to us it helps others find the podcast uh, and we really appreciate it yeah. Also, please join in the conversation. Uh, go ahead and comment and ask questions. You can leave us a short voice message or even a text message at 312-725-2995. This has been Questions from the Pew, a podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for cultural change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. For Questions from the Pew, I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time. Bye.